This week's winner of the photo contest for a railroadkits.com kit is Larry Stark. So Larry emailed us a photo to podcast at hoscalecustoms.com, and I actually put it up on the show note on the comments from the show last week. Uh, a, he sent us a photo of his Lariat lines. It represents a fictional Southern California short line that interchanges with a Class One railroad and operates under the rights granted by the Southern Pacific Railroad, which have permitted access to existing trackage in the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. So that was his little description that he sent with it. The photos in the comments from last week. Go and check that out. Larry, congratulations. You've won a kit from railroadkits.com and I will be shipping that out very soon to you. So uh, look for an email about that. But if you want to participate in our photo contest, you can get in on the action this week for a free kit from railroadkits.com. It's actually from us, but it is a railroadkits.com kit. Anyways. Here's how you, here is how you can join in on the fun. This week, I think everyone will be able to do this. I know a lot of model builders do this as well. I'm asking everyone to submit one photo of a building that they've taken a photo of or saved from something like Shorpie or somewhere like that that you just really want to try to build or use that as inspiration. So submit a p photo of a building that you took or one from Shorpie or Pinterest or somewhere that you've saved that is something that you want to either build as a prototype or one that you are going to use as inspiration for a build to enter the contest you can email your photo to podcasts at hoscalecustoms.com like larry did or you can just go on our facebook page under this week's um, post for the podcast and put the photo in the comments section and we'll pick a winner next week so let's jump into this week's episode good luck everyone on next week's contest and uh let's see what you guys have Listening to episode 82 of the Bench Time Podcast with Todd and Brett Wiley of HO Scale Customs. So thanks for joining us again, guys. We have an awesome guest on, and I know you guys have been waiting for this guest for quite some time. He's been requested a few times from our patrons. So, so we have Lance Mintime on the show. So welcome, Lance. Um, Thank you. I know we've been working on getting you on for a while, so I'm going to hand you off to my dad, and we're just going to actually get started here because i know we both have some things going on with the holiday weekend and uh we're super excited to talk to you i look forward to it <laughs> hi lance uh yes we're glad to have you on i know we've uh had a we had i have had a couple of our listeners have contacted us uh the last two months and they said you know you got to get lance on you know these are his books and he showed them to us and and uh, we checked them out and went to your website lanceminheim.com that's l-a-n-c-e-m-i-n-d-h-e-i-m is it e-i-m yes dot com and um it's a it's a blog website how to uh that you put together and um you know lance talks about the art of modern railroading and the artistry involved and and color, you know, color enhancement and, and color um, theory, um, you know, composition, how we put our details and stuff on the on the layout. These are a lot of questions that we all have, especially after last week when we all went up to see George uh, Selyus's yeah. South, 
uh, Franklin South Manchester. So, so, so let's Lance, say, let's say, I was gonna say let's let Lance um kind of give yeah, a little background info on himself and yeah. uh, kind of what he's all about here because I know your blog's full yeah. of information. How do you, you get started, Lance? Lance? I'm not sure. I'm not sure you want me to go freewheeling, free race. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, when you got started in my reverend, I mean, were before we got started in my reverend. Did you have the model reverting before you have an art background, or was that something that you had when, you know, I, I guess you're an engineer or you, you did engineering, civil engineering? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had, no, uh, I had no art background whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, so my, yes, my degree was in uh, engineering. Okay. So the, the art thing is relatively recent. Oh, okay. And now you're... The model railroading part, when did you get started with that as a hobby? I think that for most of us, um, I think it's just inbred. I mean, there's, there's kind of a <laughs> seed in there um, that you're either born with or you're not. And um, it depends on what you're exposed to. But even when you take a break, you know, if you have that in your DNA, you're always going to come back to it. But mm -hmm. it was, uh, you know, the same thing that, you know, in third or fourth grade, my parents built me a you know, four by eight layout, which they, to this day, don't remember doing, but I remember physically. <laughs> and then, uh, then in high school, I picked that model railroader and the buck hit. I was just totally into it in high school. Right. And then, um, you know, college girls, cars, all that. I didn't really get back into it until my thirties. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I had a couple of trial attempts that really weren't, didn't take off. And then, um, in my thirties, I picked it up again. So and that so you're right. That's a pretty much a narrative that we hear from a lot of people. Even you know, you know, Dave Frary and Hal Reynolds. We've had on all of them. All said the same kind of thing. And it's, um, yeah, that's now. Where did the 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 model the book? You did some book writing. You have several it's books. Got, yeah, books? a bunch of them out. Yeah, how many books do you have out? I think it's seven. Seven books, I believe. Seven. Okay. And and when did that kick in? You said you know what. I, I need to write. I, I know all this stuff. I want to. I want to help other people because that's what I get out of it. You're trying. You wrote this to to really help other people with you know their modeling, and um, in, you know it's a wide range of, of, of skills and different categories that you have in the books. When did that all come about? In terms of the books, yes, I think that. Um... Yeah, I could come up with a really slick answer, but I, you know, as I flip into old age, I honestly don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, they had this um, this coming of age of print on demand, which is amazing, which really changes the publishing, uh, the financial aspect of publishing, where oh, yeah. somebody like Amazon, you upload a file and, you know, it's not like the vanity press. Um, they print as soon as a customer orders a copy, they print it and mail it out. So there's no waste. Oh, that's and the great. cost to an the cost to an author is nothing really. I mean, you yeah. pay for an editor, you know, and maybe you have a few small expenses. But you know, when I saw how easy it was to go the self-publishing route, um, uh, you know, I decided to jump into it. And I think you know my friend Marty McGurk. Yes, actually, um, yeah. <laughs> He's got questions so, for you tonight. <laughs> oh my god! 
I've, yeah. got, I've, got, I've got questions for Marty, too. But, oh, all right, all right. <laughs> but, yeah, I got some really great advice from Marty, and he said, you know, you've got these, uh, all these pictures. Just do something really quick and simple first to get used to it. So I had all these pictures of Miami, and in two weeks I cranked out the first book, um, which showed me how to format you know, and just get the thing going. And it's, it's not a huge seller, but it was a lot of fun. So that was really great advice from Marty. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it took a couple, uh, did a couple after there. And, you know, based on, I would say, some of the feedback and the reviews I thought was um, accurate in terms of books being too short, print being too large. So, you know, I took that on board and, you know, you stick with it. I think subsequent books got better um and it also took a lot longer to write um <laughs> but i honestly don't remember what the genesis was for doing the first one i think it was just reading about you know this new thing called print on demand through amazon and they've been great to deal with yeah it's pretty amazing how the um with publishing or whatever you have websites podcasting whatever you're doing uh it's pretty amazing how easily it's made everybody uh, be able to uh, have access to do these things just like you said you did um and it's it's it levels the playing field yeah right and it's helped you spread information that you might not otherwise have considered doing and look at all the great stuff you've pumped out i mean i'm just go- i'm going through your books here now and i was looking at them earlier this afternoon and uh there's just some crazy uh, i mean it's an, it's a crazy amount of information that is at a relatively affordable cost for everybody so it's it's awesome yeah, the thing with Publish On Demand, it's not a free lunch. You don't get the professional editing that you would with Kalmbach right. and the graphics. Um, and occasionally a typo slips through. And also with Print On Demand, you don't get – the way that their machines are set up, they can't do gloss paper, which is frustrating. Mm. So you're not going to get – it's not going to look as great as a Kalmbach book. So there are – Yeah. You, you, lose a little, you lose a little bit, but the content is still there. Yeah. And, and really, for us as modelers, the content is what we want. You know, I mean, I, I'd rather hear about it and read about it, you know, and get the information however it's coming rather than having to see a, a shiny, glossy photo. You know, I mean, right. I, you know, unless it's a, unless it's something that you visually have to, you know, show us some, some, for us to understand. But I mean, I, I'm I'm good with just reading it. You're you're the way you write and the way it reads, it comes off really good. And you know, I, I noticed your blog in particular, um, people need to go there again. It's, um, Lance And, uh, go there and check out the blog. His, there's all kinds of topics. They're well-written and they're not real long. You know, it's not, I have a tendency when I write a how to or, or something along that lines, it gets real lengthy. And Brett has told me here many times, he goes, hey, Dad, cut it back a little bit, you know? And yours is well, nice. It's, I'm, it's, I'm lazy and I have a short attention span. <laughs> I would say also that uh, I do have, I have two sites. My business site is shelflayouts.com, and I've been doing more of the technical blogs on that. So um, I don't write as often on the business site, but I'm, they're more of a dig deep on the technical and design side so that's just another resource that's awesome i know and before, um, I, oh, before uh, i forget i'm not to, not to cut you off no go but, for it um when we're talking about information i've also got a free monthly newsletter so if you go to the business site there's a sign up sheet at the top um and the first of every month is a newsletter where i have additional tips 
Oh, that's great. That's pretty uh, sweet, yeah. Yeah, a lot of our, on the podcast here, uh, Lance, a lot of our listeners uh, and the people that follow us are are fine scale modelers. And, um, you know, yes, uh, some of them are, uh, we have our share of a mix of everything. Uh, the, your your operational people um, that do the ops and some people that do, you know, love doing bench work and things like that. But for the most part, what we are, are structure, scenery, you know, the design that way. Um, right. But, um, but you know, it's. I notice you cover a little bit of everything, which is which is awesome, and and um, you give insights to it, and that's kind of what I want to get into tonight uh, a little bit, and and that is the the uh, composition. Um, I was reading through, through uh, a little bit of it today, your writing, and uh, we were, the composition part, you know, on, on placing structures on the layout. In fact, us in particular. We have one layout that we're building right now. It's a 360. You walk around it entirely 360. It's all urban, and our focal point isn't your. We you know we don't have a backdrop, so you know the center of our layout will end up being our focal point with the higher rise buildings in the middle. And um, okay. you know, but we're trying to you know we're trying to composition where we want to put our buildings and and uh, how we ha have different sight lines. And, and so some of your theories are, are really, really um, unique to us. I mean, it's, it's no, nobody writes about that kind of stuff, you know? So um, can you tell us a little bit about some of your, your main uh, rules of composition with placing buildings on layouts? Sure, but let me um, step back a second. This may... You know, I apologize if I'm stomping on a question that you have later, but um, in, in both in both cases where this all came about is when you look through the, you know, we're in a very visual hobby, mm -hmm. and I would look at some layouts that would just be so far above everything else, at least in my opinion, it's subjective, and I would look at them and go, what is it about them that's different? And it was not easy to pinpoint. You know, I'll talk, you know, George Selios, uh -huh. uh, Mike Confalone, Paul Dokos, sure. um, Tom Johnson. And I'm, I just could not pinpoint why theirs looked so much better than everything else. And it took me a long time to figure out. And it really had to do not with technical accuracy. And I like prototype modeling as much as everybody else. And I can be the rivet counter, so I'm not disparaging or looking down my nose at that i'm just <laughs> right. saying that visually it does not stand out so if having the right number of window panes is not making difference that would have been a lot easier um answer but it wasn't and so it really had to drill down and you know i'm thinking about it, it really came down to color um and composition so getting to your question in terms of structure placement yeah um Composition is not just the placement, it's the selection of the elements. And where people, this is going to come across as judgmental, and uh, you know, <laughs> that's why you have the off <laughs> But I think where people get um, stray a little bit is that they try to make every structure the star of the show. And... Yeah, a friend of mine, Chuck Hitchcock, said the key to realism is to highlight the ordinary. And 
if every single structure um, is a standout, they're going to be fighting for your eye, as opposed to if you have three or four that just look right that are mundane, mm -hmm. then that one star um, will stand out. So the first um, has to do with element selection. You have to be really critical and I are really um, decisive and not going overboard with stars. I would say maybe one key structure to four boring ones, for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. So that would no, be... No, that makes sense. Um, so that would be the first element. And then the other, um, you had asked about my uh, art training, which I had none. And halfway through the book, I had to stop and realize I just really didn't have the skills, the understanding, or the knowledge to finish it. And I'm fortunate to live in Washington, D.C., where they have... Um, an organization it's basically a night school called smithsonian associates which deals in the arts mm -hmm. and i did not take a single course on how to paint or anything like that i just took courses on composition and color theory um and these are theories that have come about over um you know thousands of years mm -hmm. um and i would encourage anybody coming to dc to pay the 50 bucks and take one of these courses because they were just outstanding well and it's um, only 50 bucks yeah and it's only right down the road. We're in Harrisburg, so yeah. Harrisburg's an easy trip. Yeah, it is absolutely. Uh, Smithsonian Association, you can just go online and download their catalog if, um, and then just sign up for the course and drive down. Cool. Um, a couple things you want to look at in terms of um, structure placement is you don't want to place them uh, too close together. You know, there's always that panic, hey, I dropped. I just bought 10 uh, Craftsman kits at 300 bucks a pop. It's damn well going to squeeze those things in no matter what. Um, <laughs> and then you, it, doesn't, it doesn't look right. So right. you have to make sure you have the correct spacing. And the one thing that they talk about in the, um, when you get into design theory and composition theory is symmetry. And as humans, we have a natural inclination to have everything perfectly uh, symmetrical. And... In these courses, they talk about asymmetrical balance. So rather than, this is gonna be hard to explain, um, you know, verbally, but, you know, if you have one tall structure on one side of an axis, you don't wanna put it necessarily an identical one on the other side where everything is like a mirror image. You wanna break it up so that you have maybe two small structures of equal weight balancing out one of uh, larger weight on the other side. Yeah, um, you explained that pretty good. The other thing that um, I think modelers get in trouble with is, particularly structure models, is the layout to backdrop transition. Um, and you know, God bless us model railroaders always trying to get away from the laws of physics, but it is very difficult to go from, convincingly, from the 3D world of a layout to the two-dimensional backdrop. And even if you get it right from one angle, it will never be right from others. And you get into a really slippery slope when you put a structure tight against the backdrop. And where it really, things get really crazy is if you have a very thin structure that's tall and you can see the sky on both sides of it, it's very jarring. Yeah. So the taller the structure, I'm talking about structures tight against the backdrop, the taller they get, the thicker you want to make them, the less you want to get them away from a building flat. 
and if you're going to go with a pure flat, you want to try to limit maybe one story or something that's shorter. Otherwise, it really has that model railroad look to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with that. Definitely. So the, you're saying now, the higher you go, you want to build it out more. So you want to make it a little more deeper three-dimensionally out from the backdrop. Right. Higher you now, go. if you're primarily an ops guy and you're looking more for the chessboard aspect, then it's fine to just you know swallow the pill and say you don't really care what it looks like. You need to represent that industry. Right. Um, but if you're purely talking about appearance, you have to be very careful um, about that transition when you start getting closer to the uh, backdrops. Um, so anyway, those, that's just a couple tips on structure placement. And I, and I noticed in one in your composition in your blog, you had a diagram that you did, and you had a almost a it wasn't triangular, but it was pointed at the one end. It was your focal point structure. Tim, what was it called? Oh yes, the uh, yes, yeah. the uh, liquor store. Right, the liquor store, and then and then it was really well done how you explained it, and then of course to its right you had a lower uh, relief. It was a, a more like you said, more of a boring type structure, and then behind it in the backdrop was a one-story type. Um, I guess that was in the in the rear behind the focal point, uh, in the backdrop right. or the backdrop, and uh, that that building was also not quite as um, you know spectacular to look at but it still gave it gave a more it brought your focal point into more depth. and and then you also explained the vertical um i guess they were you had the trees the palm trees that were there i guess that's a part of your miami scene and uh okay. you had mm -hmm. yeah go ahead no, no, I just love how you explained that's, that. That's something that's really important that you mentioned a vertical, um, and I'm glad you brought that up, is that generally on a, from an art um, standpoint, you try you want to get away from very symmetrical grids. It gets boring to the eye. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we have a problem as modelers in that our shelf work has to be linear for the most part, and the subject we model is linear. I mean, we're looking at towns, you know, town squares, and you know, everything we have is laid out in these grids. Sure. So it gets very hard to break out of that um, that grid format. And on my downtown spur layout, I just said, "The heck with it! I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna accept it." But one way that you can help break up that symmetry is the vertical plane, and. Um, Utility poles, service poles, light poles, smokestacks. There you have some flexibility going upward to break the symmetry, and it can make a pretty dramatic difference. The key is just to not be sloppy about it. You want to make sure that you know the poles are staying truly vertical, um, but it is kind of a an end around or a way to get out of that over symmetrical problem. Yeah. Um, and then you said you said something else in that article about I don't know if it's the cross section. What was what 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 did you mean by the cross section or the cross elements in that? I'm not sure. I think you, you said you were talking about like window frames and things like that. And, oh, yeah. um, yes. Right. In terms of um, the human eye. Um, unfortunately can be brutally honest in noticing something 
that's off if it's an element we see all the time. And there are, you know, poles, window frames we see every day. And just because of limitations in casting, oftentimes they're made grossly oversized or overly thick. And it's very jarring visually. Something looks off. I mean, why does this not look like the real structure? It's because the window frames are too thick or the hand railings are too thick. Right. Um, so you have to be aware, first of all, that it's a real problem. I mean, it's going to throw things off. And you really have two choices. Um, often it's going to be impossible to replace it or not worth the effort. I mean, the DPM structures are nice kits. You're not going to go in there with a router and replace <laughs> every window with a titchy. So the trick is when something is oversized, Mm -hmm. painted a dark color. Right. So if you had a factory that had a safety cage and ladder going up the side and it was cast overly thick, let's say it's, the handrails were a scale four inches instead of one, yeah. you don't want to paint it silver or yellow. You want to paint it kind of a smoky gray. Yeah. And that will give the illusion that it's there but won't really highlight the overly thick um, nature of it. So I guess the, the main point to make is to be very aware of how jarring that is um, I've noticed that I've noticed that with certain brands of telephone poles in this business, in the in you know the, from the manufacturers, um, some of them are are made like you know really super thick and tall, um, and the best ones I've seen are the ones that are ha handmade and smaller and they're scaled down really a lot thinner, um, and they they just they look a lot more realistic. And I, I think it's the same reason. It takes up less of that visual space um, and looks a little more natural that way. I mean, not because it's wood, but because it's it's done thinner uh, or smaller. Yeah. And one thing I did, um, just out of curiosity, and it didn't take that long, only an hour. Um, you know, I just went rail side with a ruler and a cell phone camera and just measured some of these things, you know. How how thick does a window frame really stick out? And what does it scale to an HO? Um, how thick is a guy wire? Uh, things like that. Or how thick is a handrail? I didn't really know. Right. And then you have, you have to train yourself to realize what a scale inch is. It's six right. thousandths an N and what is it, 11, or 11 thousandths an HO. So, um, so if a window frame is sticking out three quarters of an inch and you start getting 25 or 30 thousandths, um, on the model part, it's going to start to stand out. Right. Right. I mean, it's all fascinating stuff. And, you know, I wish we had a lot more time to talk about all this stuff because I got a million things and we got a lot of questions from our listeners. Yeah, well, we'll just chalk that up to Brett's, uh, Brett's technical glitches <laughs> earlier. Well, one, of, one of the things I wanted to talk, cover with him was color. Uh, well, actually... That, hit, to, that hits one ready. of our patrons' questions. So Why don't we go there? We're actually going to jump into that because that's our yeah. that's one of our first questions here. And, and what we'll do is in the future, if Lance agrees, we can get him on here on the show another night. Once um, I figure out this Sometime down the road, maybe a, maybe a month or so from now if he's got time, and we can get into some of this other stuff a little deeper because I think our fans and our yeah. You know, our listeners would really like to listen to that. So they would, they would. Better, better way, to, better to have them wanting for more than saying, "Gee whiz, when is that guy going to shut up and get off?" Yeah, well, <laughs> and like I said, we had a soundboard issue today, so yeah. um, that's on me. But right. uh, we will jump into the questions here, and the first one on color theory 
is actually from Jake Johnson, and he's at, he's actually doing some kind of Midwestern-y type kits coming up here. So um, he's got a lot of stuff. He got a lot of cool stuff coming up. But his question was, uh, ba 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 so Jake, oh, he Jake would. For Jake, Disney, Jake would just like to. He would like to <laughs> uh, to discuss the color theory of how you choose colors, basically for your builds and what you like, what your techniques are for choosing color. And I know you kind of hinted at that in the beginning. So, um, let, he's he he asks all of our guests this question. So he's you're the next one up for him. <laughs> really, it's a matter of um, never going off of memory, and looking at a photo of the real thing. And that can be really trippy because even then, we tend to guess too dark. Most things out there that we model are much lighter than you would think. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a matter of looking at, in terms of what's out there. And the second is to be aware of the fact that we're not dealing with one single color um, you know, as a beginning modeler, we kind of take a monotone paint by numbers approach, you know, paint the roof gray, the clabber siding beige and the trim boxcar red. But when you get into it, unfortunately, the bad news is color doesn't work that way. You're looking at <laughs> dozens of colors right? and they really transition subtly from one to the next. Right. Um, so part of that is just being aware you're not dealing with monotones. Um, and then the final is I always, always test in that um, I would, all it takes is ruining one $300 model because you painted it totally wrong and you can't <laughs> to learn the lesson. So um, I never, ever go directly to a model. Right. We all have scraps, paper, cardboard, wood, styrene i always run the airbrush on those first let it dry practice weathering sometimes a couple times first um that saves a lot of agony and money yeah um, <laughs> totally yeah I, i've that, done that many times painted on a piece of wood in like six, six different colors side by side on the same piece of wood and then going out to my artistic wife and i uh, said hey hey which one of these <laughs> you know my but, other you know just to get the just to get the I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I do that quite a bit with um, with stains, too, because I'm yeah. always – stains are always, like, so crazy as far as your results, depending on how you apply them and what colors and, and how many wood. layers and what wood you're putting it on. And right. even wood – even woods from – I've noticed from different manufacturers, sometimes they have a different supplier for their wood and or it's older or whatever, and it always works out a little different. So I try to – I especially practice with stains ahead of time. So – yeah, I think that's important. The other thing, getting back to the fact that colors tend to be lighter, mm -hmm. is for the most part, when I go to the hobby store, I buy a lot of bottles of flat white. Because let's say that you have a beige structure or a bottle of beige paint, you have to dump a lot of white paint into that sucker to get it anywhere close and, you know, to lighten it up. So it's far easier to start with white and to start adding, you know, drops of the you know, the base color and bring it up rather than going in. Reverse. Right. It's easier to lighten. It's easier to, uh, darken light colors than it is to lighten dark colors. Right. Um, cool. Well, we're going to move on to the next question here. We have Marty's. You're going to like Marty's, uh, <laughs> Marty who's just saying, uh, 
tell him I'm waiting for him to come over and build my layout. And he, you had him design. He guess he had one designed from you. So he was just kidding around. Uh, he wanted to throw that in as a little joke. So now that we know that you guys know each other, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> I've known him for 25 years at least. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, Seems like there's some. He, he wants to, he wants you to build his layout. He he said you have three layouts. Yeah. Is that correct? I have three. Yes. Okay. Wow. But, well, two of them are two of them are really small. They're more like uh, dioramas. Okay. 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 Well, the next one is from Dan Pugach. Um, he's saying in your books you go over how to slow down the op, your op sessions by physically unlocking a padlock to signify opening a gate, etc. Things like that. Um, do you have any other new, uh, unique ideas that they can use, that people can use um, to insert more realistic ops into their layouts that you maybe you haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, I have one. And before we get into that, though, um, a lot of it, it, a person's interest in that is going to vary from person to person. Totally. And you have to be very careful subjecting crew members to this. So I would split these gimmicks into two groups. I would not really use them that much when you have visiting operators. And then for yourself, you know, it's a hobby. You want to have fun with it. So each person knows where their threshold is in terms of where it, it adds value and where it just becomes an mm -hmm. annoying uh, gimmick. Right. Um, the first thing I would say is take every opportunity you can to go out in the field and watch them work. Um, that will really give you a sense for how much slower everything unfolds and just the sheer mass and how much is involved in just spotting a boxcar. Um, you can also go on YouTube and you know, watch switching videos. Um, so the first step I would say is just to really train yourself in terms of how it actually um, unfolds. Um, in terms of the one thing that has come up recently um, I don't know if you know Ed Kapachinsky. He's got a, a website called Train Crew, um, which allows you to replicate um, an audio means brake test, setting a brake wheel. So what I do is just take the home page of his site and put it on my cell phone. And then I use primarily the setting the brake wheels. So when I spot a car, you know, you'd have to see the site to see how it works. I just hit the icon on the phone and you have the audio sound of a, you know, brakeman setting a brake wheel. So huh. that would be um, oh, an example cool. of that. So I think if you, if you Google train or uh, Conrail 1285 is Ed's handle. So you go Conrail 1285 train crew, you'll pull up the site and then just oh. put that on your phone. So that would be um, one idea. Uh, but then again, I would emphasize that every person has their own threshold of what's interesting and what's taken way too far and when you have guest operators um i would really cut a lot of that stuff out it will drive them nuts <laughs> I, I, <laughs> um you I can always tell them to hit the road you know hey, hey, don't let the door hit you on the, on the way out yeah and didn't you recently post um <laughs> didn't you recently post a thing about the timing at which you can tolerably operate like um and enjoying an operating session was that that would vary from person to person. But yeah. As a rule, I mean, generally speak, and everybody's afraid to speak up and say what's really on their mind, but generally after two and a half to three hours, 
75 to 80% of the model railroaders, no matter how much they love this hobby, have had enough. Yeah, they get a little <laughs> burnt out after some time. Crap of beer. So, um, and it doesn't take that much if you run it even halfway like an actual railroad to spin off two and a half or three hours worth of, oh, yeah. of work. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, and, there, you know, there's always going to be the ops to the drops, and everybody has their own interest and attention span, but you have to be respectful of the fact that when guests come over um if you have 10 of them maybe there's two that would be happy to run in the, the midnight hours but the other eight are going to get pretty sick of it. so <laughs> you just have to be kind of yeah. aware of what attention spans are totally cool yeah, everybody's different like that, so. uh, yeah i know and, and that goes with even just when my dad and i are down here building together uh sometimes one of us is done before the other and you just got to respect that but uh yeah um, yeah. but yeah Next one, that was, that was my own little question I threw in there. <laughs> Next one is from uh, Bob Johnson. He said, uh, any tips on using photographs, even literally pasting paper photos into the scene? Um, so do you have any insight you want to possess? I would say I wrote an article. The answer is that it can be, make such a dramatic improvement in the look of your models that it really is worth a hard look. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think human nature is we're always terrified of doing something new. Um, and I'm going to get to this question in a second, but in model railroad hobbyists at some point, I don't remember when I did a detailed article on that. I have it up now. That was actually in January 12. So I'm going to link that to the description. But to answer Bob's question, my tip would be to start, take baby steps and ease into it. And a, a good place to start would be simple subjects like steel roll-up doors, um, masonry foundations, brick foundations, and windows. And then once you get used to it, at that point, then you can start, you know, expanding from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the biggest tip was at some point, you know, you have to make the decision, you know, whether you're getting the enjoyment you want and you want to stop learning or you're going to have to put aside your fears and try new techniques that are going to move you to the next level. And, you know, that decision is different for every person in terms of how far they want to dig into the hobby. I have hobbies that I don't want to dig into that far at all. They're just casual recreation and others like model railroading. I dig into it deeper. So it's a really an individual decision. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, I noticed when, since we're talking about photography, one section real quick um, was you were you were talking about uh, um, painting the concrete roads and such, um, and you had aerial photography. Uh, you were showing the different ways you could do the weathering of that concrete or the dirt. Uh, you also showed on another aerial um, where you showed how five or six different colors of earth or dirt um, are blended and feathered together, and you use that aerial photography. So uh, I'm guessing something like Google Earth would be an awesome thing to use uh, on Google. Yeah, when you go to that Google Earth or Google Maps, you need to get the aerial view um, where you can actually look down on a on a rail yard that has lots of concrete or or a parking lot in a you know in, a, in an industrial area where they have you know lots of concrete down. You know, in that mm-hmm. you know, in that area where you can see the different different shades, um, you demonstrated it in your in your blog ama- amazingly well. Uh, is that something you, that you would do? Just go to, to something like Google Earth? Absolutely, and it can be kind of shocking when you 
you go and you ballast the yard and you know you get your cinders and you put it down and then you look at a picture like that and you go wow there's like 15 more colors there than i realized um you know they, there's grain spillage and they put different colors of ballast in mm-hmm. um and the more layers you add the better it's going to look so you just have to decide um you know how far you're going to take it but it can be surprising if you look at those photos and number one realize just the variety of colors and unfortunately how subtle the transitions are from one color to the next right sure. um but if you can master that it will make a dramatic improvement um in the way your layout looks the more layers the subtler they are the better it's going to look yeah. and well something like you can you can even go to so down down to the terrain the earth and you can show where patches of grass are yeah you're not going to copy it you know exactly but at least you're going to get a visual looking down on it seeing here's a patch of grass here's a patch of uh, earth and you know this is this is where you know it ends and this is where it begins in the different shades right um you know it you know i think so something like that would be an amazing tool to have would be you know modern technology and that's really where it starts and it's not just the tool it's the understanding of the importance of the tool that you just mentioned because if you read the you know a biography of any famous artist the thing that really whether it's edward hopper norman rockwell uh any of these guys is they spent weeks studying a subject mm-hmm. before they would paint it and most people don't realize how closely they would study it to figure out what's really going on there mm-hmm. and that's a lesson that we can apply to ourselves i mean we're not going to spend weeks but right. getting back to what you brought up originally it all starts with taking a photograph and saying trying to understand what's really happening there right right um i know you're limited on time here so we're going to hit the last one thing and it's a quick one and then we will actually let you off the hook because i know you have plans you said this evening so um Two of them, Dan Banks and Lynn McCurdy, both said that uh, they didn't get questions in, but they both said they're super excited to listen to this episode. And the last one from Dave K., Dave Cruzwick, is uh, the question he also asks uh, all of these uh, bigger names we get on our show. Um, what do you think your current, what do you think the current state of the hobby is from Dan? He wants uh, to know what your pulse is on the, on the hobby. What are you getting from it? Um, as far as I don't think as, as far as people, any, I don't think it's been any more. I think it's as vibrant or more vibrant than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And Thank you. The reason that, and this goes back to the first question you asked me in terms of people don't become, you know, violin players or model railroaders um, on a whim or whatever based on what's happening in the economy. I really, I'm getting way out of my pay grade on this, but I really think it's inborn. <laughs> And so, you know, there's many people born with that fascination of miniatures now than ever. It's the same number. Mm -hmm. And so they're still gravitating towards it. The products are much better. There's more information out there. And just because you don't see young people at an NMRA meet, that's really irrelevant. That's just the number of people I talk to in any given week you know, the vast majority of them are young people. So yeah, right. us too. Um, us too. there's many young people coming into the hobby and they're bringing enthusiasm and a lot of them are darn good modelers, better than mm-hmm. old folks at <laughs> young ages are darn good modelers. So, Oh yeah. Um, and they do military modeling and, oh yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, 
you know, we have the same level of enthusiasm, we have more information, we have better tools, um, and we have better products. Just, you know, the technology allows us to make better, you know, narrower cross-sections, higher, more details. Um, so I'm not really one of these chicken littles. I think everything will be fine. I agree with that. I love hearing the E say that. I've, we so often do not hear yep. enough of that. And uh, so oh. we agree with that. Yep, absolutely. Well, Lance, we have about exhausted your time that you, <laughs> and uh, I appreciate you had. Your time. Yes. And, and we, but we'd like to have you agree maybe to come back in in like August and we can talk to you again and have a little more time to work with. Once I figure out what's wrong with oh. my soundboard here. <laughs> I'm happy to do it. Well, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, you Lance. Have a great evening. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, that was awesome. Um, we want to thank Lance Minheim for coming on, and uh, we had some, we had a couple issues uh, earlier. I don't know what was happening with our soundboard, but we had a couple problems for whatever the hell reason was going on. Yeah, so, it's just a little glitch. Um, we were unfortunately had to cut Lin, um, <laughs> Lance's, Lance Minheim. I, I said Lind, but anyways, Lance's interview a little short because he had some time constraints uh this evening but uh we will be getting him back on to go over some stuff in a little more deeper detail but um with that we're gonna go and kind of end this episode on some old school hs scale customs podcasting notes yeah because i got some things we can all talk about which cool. Is cool um and we also are going to be doing um we need to do an overtime episode so we'll have an overtime episode this weekend Sounds good. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with our overtime episodes, they are the episodes for our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash HO scale customs. Also, the questions from our patrons, I know we zipped through them real quick. Um, we hit, I think I hit everyone's that put them up. And if I missed one, I sincerely apologize. We were really crunched for time. I tried to scroll through and hit one from each person that commented today, um, but we got them in there also if you want access to our questions you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash ho scale customs as well um so let's jump into and and again thanks next week by the way next week oh we have another great special if you want to know who that guest is special if you want to know who that guest is we will have a we will reveal it on this week's overtime episode right Ooh. Yes. There you go. There's a little teaser. And it's an extra special show. Yeah. So, but anyways, yep. so our patrons will hear about that first, and then we will, uh, if you want to just wait till next week, you'll just find out next week. Um, <laughs> I love being a tease. I know. So <laughs> is it the one who I think it is? Just say yes or no. Yes. It's it's that one. Yes. Ah. Ooh. Okay. No, no. It's oh. not. It's not the one... Yeah. It's the it, one that just recently it's, happened. It's that other one, not the one, but the other one, the one. We're going to have two eventually, but the first, it's the one that just happened last night. It's the other one that was new and it's recent, exciting, but not that other yes. one I'm thinking of. It's the other right. one. Yes. Not that one, though, but the other one. The other one. The one that's yeah. not the one. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> Did we confuse everybody yet? Oh man, I'm in a much ready? I'm in a much better mood now. Yeah, I've been ready. What do you uh, what do you got working on your workbench? What are you doing right now? Well, I am now on Baxter's Building Supply Company from Fine Scale Management. That's my celebration music that you're finished with that other kit finally. 
all the castings are done. Um, well, not done. They're they're cleaned up. There there's probably a hundred and thirty, maybe a hundred, hundred thirty uh, um, different castings. I don't know if there's hundred and thirty, maybe hundred twenty. Um, there's a lot of the castings that came with this kit, and I had to clean them all up, get the flash off of them, and then I primered them according to the directions. There are a million freaking directions. <laughs> there are templates. I mean, if you, there are some amazing template work in here, stacks of templates, and all in cardstock, very, very detailed out. It's nice. Uh, it's going to be a while, you know? I mean, it's going to be a while. It's I'm just gonna like, be doing, it's just like mine. Doing, yeah, I'm going to be doing this. I decided, because it's going to take a long time, I'm going to be doing this one, but I am also going to be working on some other ones as I build this one, because otherwise, you know, it's, it's, it's I have to, yeah. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Yeah. This one will be it's my gonna main take you one. a while. And yeah, I'm gonna and build some other. You're gonna do. You're gonna do it. what I'm doing, where I'm working on assassin, uh -huh. but I'm also trying to do a few things at once, um, right. in between. Uh, speaking right. of in between, um, I will be. I just want to give a shout out to Bill. Bill, you know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna be shipping your thing soon. So, anyways. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, so. Now that yeah, I was so thinking about it. So, yeah, we have these uh, castings on here. I got them done. I opened the box up and uh, went through all the strip wood. And they're not color-coded. They're, they're, there's all different sizes of strip wood. And in, in, That's in how the, this one is, too. And, and then in the – George has a template on these, in these kits – you gotta lay out the strip wood against the templates for strip wood sizes. Yeah. And then I had to hold them up to that, and I'd sort them into different piles and wrap rubber bands around them and mark them. That's what I just did this weekend. Did you? Yeah. Assassin is basically the same way, and you gotta hold the edge of the strip wood up to a little piece of paper to determine a scale. But then there's also like five pieces of strip wood that are all different visually. They're different sizes, but they're close enough to like you're questioning it. Like, yeah. Is that a? Is that this or is that that? Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, and mine were all in one big rubber band as well. Yeah. So, well, mine weren't all in one big rubber band. They were just in a box. Oh. But, uh, anyhow, I got them all. Well, some of them were in little smaller rubber bands, but still, I had to figure out what sizes they were. But, anyways, that's all done. The castings are all done. The windows are, are I mean, prepped. They're all prepped. The windows are all prepped, and, and uh, I painted them as well. I got them uh, primered. Very cool. So um, I got all them done, the doors, all that. Um, now I'm gonna have to. Now here's what. I, here's what's cool. Here's what's interesting about this particular kit. Now, obviously, Baxter's is four or five different structures here we're talking about, um, and as a result of that, um, it's also built. The the directions have this being built on a terrain. Uh, you have to you have to put on a flat piece of plywood or or some kind of a gator board or something like that um, to build it and then lay it into where your layout is going to be. So, um, but what I found out is I'm going to have to hand lay track 17 inches of hand laid track. <laughs> you suck. You suck. What? <laughs> But anyways, I got. Have you ever hand laid track? No. Well, I haven't either. 
So it's going to be a learning experience. I'm going down to Mainline Hobby on Friday, and I'm getting myself a, uh, a special tool for putting spikes into the the rail uh, to hold the rails on the onto the onto the ties. And they're actual wooden ties, and I'll have to cut some of them. Um, and then, of course, uh, put the spikes in to hold the rails on. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. But I called Mainline Hobby, and they're going to have it all ready for me when I go to pick it up. And, nice. Uh, he hooked you up. And, and well, yeah, and they're going to have it waiting for well, me. That's what I meant. Which they, is cool. They're hooking you up with everything you need, yep. getting you set. Yep. Uh, that way you can work on it uh, and, right. and get it done this weekend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm gonna have to put on a, on a on a piece of gator board or a piece of plywood. I'm, I'm I have a piece of gator board. I think I'm gonna use. But um, it's outside of that. I mean, it's uh, 17 by 21 inches. This, this diorama. So I'm sorry, 14 by 21. So it's uh it's not small. Mm-hmm. And um, you know it's gonna it's gonna take some work. And and uh, I um I I kind of got an idea for. Um, how I'm going to do this uh, when I went up to visit Doug's uh, Fosco Models Workshop and uh, how he had one of his dioramas he was working on uh, on a pedestal and I'm kind of going to do my I'm going to kind of build it that way myself I was actually thinking of getting once I saw that I thought that was a neat idea the pedestals yeah Um, I don't know we have to find some to get one one maybe Doug (laughs) Doug when, when you're listening to this episode let us know where you got your pedestals yes Please. Or any, anyone out there, if you model yeah. on a pedestal, let me know where you got it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, and um, anyhow. Cool. So that's it. Awesome. Um, um, I'm working at it. I'm going to have to hand lay track, and I'm kind of excited about that because I don't know how to hand lay track. And sometime down the road, I want to make like a spur. Well, you did hand lay track one time with uh, Gorilla Glue. These suck. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? I'm sorry, man. That's not that. That was a nightmare. You're, it turned out good, though. Well, your fingers turned good. black too. My fingers turned black, but I got that rail inside that pier, and you can't tell that I, I did. I did get all the glue in the right places except for what was on my hands. <laughs> so uh, it turned out really nice, and the, and the, a train can go out of that very smoothly. So yes, I did hand lay track, but that was different. That was a little different. That was inset into, um, yeah. That was inset. Anyhow. Yeah, it was still it was still hilarious. So. All right. Right. Anyways, um, well, now that you just went over everything you're working on, I'm gonna go over what I'm working on. Yeah, let's do it. So I got I got the main building of Sass and Vinegar Works, kind of done. Um, yeah. I got to do the roof details, and I want to get in a. I put the. Um, the metal roofing, the corrugated metal roofing on, but it's like the real aluminum or tin, whatever the hell I made that out of back then. Um, yeah. That that roof needs weathered because it's like looks like it looks like shiny aluminum foil, um, yeah. so that needs that needs taken care of. But um, it looks good. Yeah, I just got. How do you like it in those directions? Um, I don't like them anymore. <laughs> they were cool to look at, and now they're hell to get through. Yeah. So um. You heard well, me. You heard me griping about him a little bit this weekend. I heard weekend. you gripe about him. I heard other people gripe about. Yeah. Uh, this direction. So um, I got that going for me. Uh, oh, let's see. I don't. That's all I got working. I also got this car that I'm doing. This Ford pickup truck. The Ford Ranger. Yeah, how's that? How's that coming? Um, it's coming. 
I got a whole, I got all the body painted, um, and then I painted, I started painting some of the engine components, um, but it's kind of just a project I'm working on in between, like when I'm waiting for things to dry, I'll just pick a couple parts. I saw parts it sitting there in a box, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, the, it's going to be, yeah. it's not going to be a nice, a nice truck either, it's going to look like shit, so yeah. just saying, it's not going to look nice, but, um, well it's going to look nice, but it's going to look beat. It's, it's, it's going to be meant to look like shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know what I'm working on next. I don't, other than, I mean, I want to work on something in between SAS and for sure, because yeah. I, well, you got it right there. Everything's in front of you, man. Oh, no, no, no. I know. I know. I know. If you're not, if you're, if you get bored working on SASIN for a night or two, you're sitting right next to the hey, layout. I would, I know. I would give my left one to I be able know. to go down there and, and be able to sit there and just give up on this mm -hmm. bench for a night and go work the layout. I know. That's what I was going to get into. Yeah. Anyways, but I also don't want to do scenery work because I want to start working, like I told you, building by building um, oh, yeah, yeah. on the layout. You know what I mean? Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it, it is scenery work, but I don't want to do big pieces of scenery before I oh, have yeah, it by, with a building. Right. <clears throat> so we got plenty of buildings to do, so I might hop around over this next this long holiday weekend and uh <clears throat> start working on some city scenes from buildings we already have completed um yeah i mean god pick up where i left off i might also down. have <clears throat> man i might also have um our users our users our listeners and and subscribers vote on the next kit i'm gonna start mm -hmm. how about that what I'll do is I'll throw up on Friday someday, sometime throughout the day, after this episode's published. Um, or you know what? Maybe let's make it Saturday. After the people get, after everyone gets a chance to listen to this episode on Saturday, I'll run it through the weekend. I'll throw a poll up on our page as to which smaller kit I'm going to start and work on in between assassins. How about okay. that? I'll throw up three of yeah. them and we'll have everyone pick. Okay. So and the winner will be the kit I do next. So, um, cool. yeah. And, uh, so that's what I got working on. Uh, I'm going to weather the roof, like I said, cause it's all looks like shiny aluminum and, um, that's yeah. about it. That's all I got. I got, we did a little bit of layout work. Um, that's really all, that's really it. Uh, <laughs> not that much, nothing really exciting here. I, I was down at your house on Sunday and worked the layout, um, up there on the city a little bit. I put some pictures up on Facebook of um some of the concrete work that i've been doing mm. uh, oh, yeah. with and we're using task board for that for the side task board i ordered from dick blick uh art supply and um you know blick art supply and it's um uh it's real easy to work with it's bendable shapeable you can get it wet and then uh shape it and when it dries it stays in that shape um, very, very workable. Um, it's used by a lot of architects and such. That's a lot of my sidewalk work or any of, uh, you know, the, that type of work around the outside of a building or when you're going up and down hills. I got one hill that some people pointed out was a little too steep for sidewalk and I need to put some steps onto it along with the sidewalks, which I will do next time I'm down there. But it's starting to take shape and it's starting to look like a city. And I think that was motivation there from when I was at uh, viewing the FSM um, up in Peabody, but uh, Peabody, yeah, Peabody, 
<laughs> and uh, you know, so it, it was definitely. Uh, but it was, you know, I felt great about doing it, and I thought it was yeah. turned out pretty good. It looks yeah. great. Um, yeah. So maybe I'll jump over there this weekend and and do some of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. Got a lot to do this weekend. We'll be busy, so I will get yeah, some work done then. here. So. So what are you doing for Fourth of July? Uh, we're just gonna be spending some time with family. Um, yeah. Just yeah. chilling out. I'm really don't have any plans. I work on Friday, so we don't really yeah. make any plans all weekend. But. Right. Fourth of July. Well, I don't know what we're doing tomorrow. I think we're gonna have uh, seafood on the grill and some like uh, some crab legs and stuff like that. Crack a couple cold ones. Sit nice. around the porch and sit around here under the American flag and enjoy our uh, enjoy our Fourth of July. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll be t- we'll be doing something. I'm not sure yet. What I know we um we'll be low key, low key, kind of holiday yeah. weekend. But uh, yeah, mine will be too. Yep. We've been we've been running around like crazy lately. So, uh, yeah. nice low key weekend is in store. So it's always a good thing. Yeah, and I, who knows? Might uh I might actually spend some time outside because it's not going to be ten thousand degrees out. Yeah. You know, I won't walk outside and have my skin melting off this weekend. So, um compared to last weekend but uh yeah the other thing i wanted to get into was um the fact that we have no um we have no people so the one thing that i took and i was thinking of this is another thing what What we have no we have no people what do you mean we have no people on our layout or our models or anything we have exactly 34 figures on our layout Okay. Well, they're not even on. They're just like, oh, they're all passed out. They're all laying over. They're all laying. Some of them are on sidewalks. They are. They are. But, yeah. but, I wanna, I wanna start, as each model that I'm working on, especially with Sassin. I was rooting through my bin of stuff you gave me. Um, yeah. I want. I'm starting to look for some workers and some people I can throw into. Hey, you got a oh. text message. Yeah. You've got mail. Ha. Huh. Yes. Guess who? We won't say. Guess who? Is it our guest for next week? No. Oh. No. Who? Okay. It, it, it's a it's somebody who likes to text us out of the blue. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyways, yes. Now I now I think I know who it is. Anyways, um, <laughs> so uh, the what was I talking about? Oh. Uh, with Sasson, I'm going to start doing more people. Um, and before I post finished photos of this kit built and on the layout like I do with all the other ones, I'm going to actually have people and like a working scene. I'm going to have a working scene on it. So that's my, that, that, that was the one thing I wanted to hit on with Sasson before we moved on from that. But um, the – well, we've talked about uh, what we're working on quite a bit. And, um, yeah. Let's get into... I did clean up my shelves and workbench area a little bit uh, the other day. I kind of reorganized everything from after that last ITOA build. Yeah. And I uh, got my workbench all straightened out, did some well, cleanup, and removed some other junk. And, um, yeah, let, so I'm good to go. Let's talk about um, a tool. We haven't done a tool of the week in a long time. Okay. I got a tool of the week. I'm going to leave this one off. I got a new Otlite about three weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and That's it's nice a, it's a much bigger outlight, and it was on. I had a gift card for my birthday from the other month. I had 
uh, went in the Michaels knowing I wanted to get an ot light and I walked in and this one was on clearance um, and I had a gift card so uh, I didn't I couldn't use a coupon because it was already on clearance but this ot light came down to 29 bucks it's a huge ot light um, okay. and it's got a magnifying glass built in that swings out, <clears throat> swings out over my oh, work wow. so uh, nice. yeah and it's got a tray that spins on the bottom that right now is full of uh, the metal detail parts from Assassin, which is about 10,004 detail parts. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's my, it has more than, it has more than the FSM. Yeah. It's a, it's a ton, yeah. but, uh, so that's my tool kind of of the week. That's my workbench tool of the week. Uh, it is the Otlight light with the magnifying glass building and it is awesome. It's just as bright as my other Otlight, light, but, um, it's got a tray on it, which I can always use more organization. And what yeah. I like about that tray is I can use it. I'm going to use that tray just for um, like my kit that I'm currently working on to spread all the parts out, <laughs> out on evenly underneath the light. Yeah, it's nice how you did that. Yeah. I love hot lights. Oh, my God. I got three of them on my desk. Yeah. I mean, it's, it might be overkill. I also saw that there's a – when these bulbs blow on these ones because they're the fluorescent tube ones. Yeah. You can buy a replacement LED uh, bulbs for it. Oh, okay. And I don't, oh, know if, I don't know if they're made by Otlight, but they have them that fit into the Otlight, and that might be yeah. a little bright. I don't know if they'll be brighter or not, but um, who knows. Yeah. But so what's, what's your tool? Man. Well – to be honest with you, <laughs> uh, I do have this one tool. Your mom got it some time ago. Um, it is a magnet that extends. Oh, is it like for picking up parts you drop in your engine or something? Yeah, yeah. Going, yeah. And I've been using it here at my desk and my workbench, and um, it, 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 it collapses, and it comes out as maybe, I don't know, 18 inches 20 inches long mm-hmm. and um it is exactly no it's 24 inches so um anyways it's 24 inches long it's got a little magnet at the end and, and you can use it like i drop metal pieces on the floor around here all the time uh, right here at my workbench so i can reach down and and grab it from my stool um without it, it's a lazy man's thing so that's a new tool i've been kind of playing around with lately and also to go with it, I went to and bought. I uh, went to Walmart and bought for three ninety six this flashlight. It's a, it's a, it's a LED flashlight, and the looms are like four hundred loom on it. And is that what you call it, loom? Lumen. Lumen. That's all right. We'll let you lumen, off the hook. Which is pretty powerful for a little three ninety six flashlight. Yeah. And it has a clip on it. You can hook it in your pocket protector. If you have one, and I, you're what? Excuse me. I I will have a pocket protector. Everyone listening, don't let him fool you. My dad wears a pocket protector, (laughs) twenty-four. He wears it twenty-four-seven. You, you even have you put your toothbrush in it. You walk around with your toothbrush. (laughs) He uses pocket protectors all um, the time. But you know, it has a clip on it. You can put it in your shirt pocket or put it on on your belt. You know, on your belt or something along that lines. But um, I use that in conjunction with this. To turn the light on on the floor, ah. and then that way I can use the magnet to pick up the piece that I'm looking for. So, nice, nice. Now you're screwed if it's wood, but hey, you're not really screwed if it's wood because I have a third tool 
that has a it, it, it extends out the same way and it has a button on the back end you can push and it a claw comes out of the end and you can pick up oh man did you ever pinch your finger in the end of that thing yeah out of curiosity sucks. that yeah. that mother hurts uh-huh yeah, don't put it on your leg flesh. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that, but I have I have pinched my finger in the yeah, end of it and it is hell. Don't put it like on your thigh and try it. Oh man, could you imagine pinching <laughs> could you imagine pinching the tip of your nose in it? Oh man. So anyways, the only problem with that is by the time you get the damn thing to work, you're better off just reaching down and grabbing it off the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one that's on like a spring arm, so it's like yeah. all floppy all over the place, and you right. can't, you gotta, you gotta have good aim with that. It's not right. a precision tool. Right. No new pallets. I have been using the same old pallets, and and uh, cool. That's it. Nothing else new well, here. Cool. On my workbench. As far as tools go, I mean, I probably have not. Well, you've even already, you've already tools. given your tool of the week. So yeah. next. Next what? Now, you already gave your tool of the week. We're going to do music well, now. It's time for music. some music. Oh, yeah. What were you listening to? All right. Well, I'm pulling up now. The um, I was listening to um, recently, today even, was listening to some Shinedown, Hinder, mm. and uh, Aranda. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Some heavy stuff. Yeah. Oh! Don't play it. No, we don't. No, I was just starting. Yeah, I mean, see, now we're going to get copyright infringements and stuff all over here. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't even make out what that was, so. Yeah, no, that was good. I didn't so, know what the hell that was. I thought your dog was backwards sneezing again. No, but I also uh, like some podcast stuff, so I was listening to some podcasts this week, too. Nice. But yeah. I was listening to Shinedown. Oh, yeah, me too. And uh, I listened to them. I was listening to a little bit of Breaking ben Benjamin um, this week. Uh, Breaking Ben is always a go-to favorite of mine. So that's oh. why. I... Yeah, I got another one. I, that I because of you, I got another one. Oh wait, wait, wait! Don't take my don't take credit for this one. I'm not. Is it the squirrel one? No, no. Uh, I also well, wanted to you, say that's what got me into listening to what I was. Listening I also to wanted. I also wanted to. Uh, I th I said this the other week on our. I think I just posted it for fun the one night on our overtime, yeah. our patrons only overtime page. But um, I've been listening to a group called the Squirrel Nut Zippers lately, and I I love them. Uh, I love them. The squirrel Squirrel Nut Zippers. You heard that correctly. Uh, yeah. It is. It's kind of like. I was listening to with you down It's kind of like night. New Orleans jazz, uh, yeah. funky kind of jazz. I thought I was joking with you. I said it makes me want to eat some zatarans and uh, <laughs> some jambalaya when I listen to it. But I don't know. That that kind of music was just getting me in the mood to work. It was getting me all like. Yeah, it was. It was pretty good when you had it on down there. It's, down. it's like a lighter. Friday. It's just like a. It, I mean, it's not light at all. But it's like a. Yeah. They've got eh, some of their songs. Eh, there's like one or two songs on a couple albums that have some adult themes, but it's still like that, like New Orleans spicy jazz. It's just really good. Right. So when after I listened to it with you, I went home on Saturday. I didn't. I didn't listen to that. I listened to because it reminded me of Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Oh yeah. So I listened to Big Bad Voodoo Daddy <laughs> on Saturday, man. All evening I was listening to Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. That kind of music stuff, is so man. contagious. 
I missed that music. I forgot all about that music. I love it. Yeah. I um. It does. It gets you. It gets you moving. Yeah, it, it's just it's yeah. upbeat and it wakes you up and it it's like yeah. good for me. It's like if I want to get my artistic brain in like the art mood, that yeah. that that I don't know. It's it's just so much fun. I picture like a big parade running down my street. Like if I'm in New Orleans, <laughs> like you know whatever whatever the noise is. I'm just oh I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, before it wears out, it'll eventually wear out. It's welcome for a little bit, and then I'll get tired of it after. Yeah, it'll get real quick. Yeah, yeah, but it seems like that's my music of the summer so far is, like, that big <laughs> New Orleans jazz. So, um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, well, um, I think we're going to call this one a wrap. I think that's a good idea. Um, yeah, so we are going to actually – well, by the time you hear this, it's already been up. Um, we're going we're gonna to jump over and record the – uh, toolbox talk real quick and then we're going to call it an evening so for this episode we are over you've probably already heard the toolbox talk episode and um, that's really it guys have an awesome 4th of July weekend we know 4th of it's actually the 5th of July now yeah. we hope you had a great 4th of July great Independence Day for our American listeners um, right. and uh, hope it, for our Canadian listeners I hope you had a great Canada Day America well, we have Canadian listeners too. They had Canadian, they had Canada Day the other day. Oh yeah, yeah. So um, Canada. Is it Canada Day or Boxing Day? Canada. No, don't be like that. <laughs> we got a lot of great America. We have a lot of great Canadian listeners too. I know. So. I'm, I'm only kidding. I love Canada. Oh my gosh. We're hockey people. Well, we man. just well, lost all our Canadian Canada. listeners. Thanks a lot. I love Canada, man. Canada's great. I know people from Canada. See, now he's trying to back. Ho- now you're just trying yeah, to back. Play hockey with guys from Canada, so I, I, yeah, I know. Okay. You know? All right. All right. All right. Good, good all right. Country. Well, I'm gonna cut you off before you get it anymore out of control, and we're gonna call this one an ep- we'll call this episode episode a wrap. We'll call this episode a wrap. Everyone, have an awesome weekend. You got it. Peace out. <laughs>